All right, I'll go ahead and call this meeting to order. Please join us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, so we will go ahead and start with um, our proposed consent agenda. Go ahead and open that up for discussion or questions. Okay, I don't see any questions. So is there a motion? I will move to accept the consent agenda. And I will second. <laughs> All in favor of approving the proposed consent agenda? Aye. 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 So the consent agenda is approved. Three in favor, zero opposed. And we do have some public comment that was sent in. Thank you, Julie. I'll go ahead and read those. We've got three, uh, three multi-part questions, I guess is the best way to say it. So I'll start at the top from Barb Nelson Thomas, questions for school board. Uh, number one, is there any money in the building budgets for high school or middle school sports in 2021? And number two, since the cancellation of sports in March of 2020, where has the money allotted for sports been used here in the district? Second comment is from Keith Hopper. And being the good English teacher, he's put some parts in quotes, so I'll read the quotes. So quote, what is the status of non-utilized funds earmarked for sports from the last sports season that was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic? And if we don't know the status of the funds, can we initiate an, an audit of the funds? Unquote. Thank you, sincerely, Keith. Third comment is from Jennifer Kinnison. Number one, when exactly did the levy collection of money end? Number two, with sports being shortened significantly last spring and not being played to date for this year, where did the money go that was tagged for sports in the ways of salaries, transportation, umpires slash officials, and postseason play for the high school and middle school? I am not asking, I am not asking to just say, quote, back in the general fund, end quote, and use for things, but what specifically did the dollars go towards as we were still collecting funds for sports, to my knowledge, that have not been played yet. Number three, how much money did the district receive in the way of COVID relief and grants to help with the costs of distance learning, parentheses, i.e. laptops, hotspots, and needed equipment to make this shift possible? And number four, has the board slash levy committee started to think about the plan to get this levy passed? Not just the number that will be asked, but the actual how-to. 
with the need for 1,841 people to come out to vote to even certify it, this is a huge ask to make sure that we get enough votes as well as enough yes votes as another levy failure would be catastrophic to our small district. And that was Jennifer Kinnison again. And as usual, I'll get with, um, I will get with Dale and get some responses to these questions and, and get them to these folks. And uh, just as an additional uh, comment, I think that once the agenda for uh, the following board meeting in two weeks, um, most if not all of these, these questions will be answered at that time, but I don't wanna keep these folks hanging on for a full two weeks either, so. I'll, I'll run that pass or I'll shoot a copy to uh, the board once Dale and I complete it. Yeah. And I, I do think that's a really big concern about our sports. And if we could address that um, in our next board meeting mm -hmm. a little thoroughly, I think it's important to be transparent about those funds and where they went. So. Yeah, exactly. And if it's appropriate to jump slightly ahead, just to say that the, the cursory update that Mr. Henry is going to give us tonight when we get down to new business will be just that. It will be cursory, whereas the, a much more detailed plan and analysis will be uh, held during a public session and during our next work meeting, board meeting. Thank you, Pete. Okay, we'll move on to board comment. And not having any board comment, let's go ahead to principal's report, starting with Mrs. Hansen. So let me know if it's not working. <laughs> um, so um, just a few things. Um, first, we've come to the end of the semester and um, just wanted to say with that, we do have a few things that are looking at coming back to in-person instead of being online from our online program. So um, not too many at this point, but I think I think we've had about five, four or five phone calls about that. And so I'm kind of maybe anticipating that picking up a little bit more and we'll just continue to facilitate this with families if they're ready to come back to in-person. Um, I also put on my notes that report cards We'll go home with students on the 22nd. And that's probably not something that you always report to the board, except for that feels just like a very ordinary moment in a year of not very many ordinary moments. <laughs> so I just wanted to put it on there. Um, so we have received some TK grants and probably waiters. I have talked about that at you know, another meeting, but I just wanted to thank them because they both secured separate grants um, to support our implementation of our transi transitional kindergarten. And so now we're just kind of busy figuring out the necessary steps needed on our end um, to fulfill and, and help. Um, we have some professional development and other curriculum trainings and as well as kind of ongoing meetings to ensure that we can have a successful implementation and continue to grow the program. Um, so thank you, Wade and Diane. I appreciate that a lot. Um, we've also started to implement the, the learning that our staff received through our core training over the spring and early summer. Um, we have a core support team now, kind of transitioned a little bit from our RTI to what we are calling core support team that is 
worked really hard to put together um, kind of a new intervention program that helped students that need it. They went really dove deep into dibbles, and then we did some morphological testing and came up with some some of kind of our students, we ranked students that really we felt like had some missing fundamental pieces with learning to read. And they're working one-on-one with an adult um, daily for about a two to three week period. And then we retest and then we look at that again. So we're really, um, really hoping that this shows a big impact on, on some of our students' foundational needs for reading. And I just thank Kim Cruz, Lisa Stady, Araceli Chavez, Joni Ashley just put in a ton of work. And I appreciate their willingness to kind of look through a new lens and it a little bit differently, and I know Kiki and I both are appreciating, and, it, and it's a work in progress, so we're tweaking it, you know, as we go to make sure that it's, that it's going to be impactful, but we're pretty excited about that right now. Um, just continuing to follow all our safety protocols, um, trying to be more diligent than ever right now, um, just talking to everyone about really, really buckling down and making sure that we, you know, that we're following all those. You know, I do I, I do want to say that teachers are doing an amazing job of taking care of our kids in the classroom. Um, and I'm also super impressed with the students' willingness to wear masks and social distance. I mean, they have just kind of come right in and made it like it is. And um, I just think, you know, kids are resilient and good for us to remember that sometimes, I think. Um, and really, that's kind of what I have right now. So do you have any questions for me? No questions. Thank you, Ms. Kevin. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Hey, next we have Mr. Williams. All right, I don't have anything to add to that. Um, we're pretty much doing the exact same thing. We're really working hard together, Chris and I, um, to, to get this core thing started. Um, we sat down and talked today and and you know, coming up with dates and, and everything that we needed to come up with to get so that we're getting report cards out to the to everyone on the same day and coming kind of that commonality. Um, I really want to thank uh, my secretary Christy Oliver for all the work that she's doing with me uh, to try to uh, because you know with the new cumulative we've had to week and, and we're trying to format our, our report cards so that they have all the necessary information but aren't nine pages long. So uh, we're working hard on that um, so that we can get those out next week. Um, uh, and other than that, uh, you know, same thing, safety protocols, um, really talking through uh, this core, um, and what it looks like. We're having a little bit different discussion as um, we're having to tweak it a little bit more uh, for fourth and fifth graders. Uh, we have a little bit less need, but there's still a need at that, at that level. Um, and so uh, just having those, those deep conversations and, and working with each grade level. So um, just busy doing that. Any questions? Thank you very much. No, thank you. Okay, next up, Mr. Fat. 
again. Good evening. Um, we are still working along remotely, as you, as you know. Um, working hard right now to um, to wrap up quarter number two, pick up all the pieces, get everybody. I know all of our teachers are working very hard to connect with kids and parents and, and get that last push in this week. Um, and so, you know, that, that really is our big push right now. Um, in addition to that, we've um, finalized our school improvement plan, which we'll uh, um, upload to the state next week as far as our, our major initiatives there. Um, we are looking at ways that we can support struggling students. We have um, some small groups that have been established. Um, we're looking at identifying additional students and, and finding ways that we can support them. Um, some of them will be bringing in, um, others will continue to be pushing them towards online helps. Um, one of the things that you need to know um, how available our staff has been and continues to be. Um, they have daily office hours, but beyond that, so many of them outside of their teaching schedule are, are available to chat or, or, or online, um, have online meetings with just throughout the day. Um, and the, the if the students will make the step, of course, they don't know who needs help until they ask, but they are really, they've been doing a great job of being available. And I, I want you to know that um, it's really incredible seeing, seeing the supports that are available both inside and out. And, and we are looking at how we can um, support more students in, in this upcoming third quarter. We'll be starting some more small groups. Um, based on, of course, need and staffing. Um, the area of inclusion, um, we are, as you know, at, at each grade level, we've talked about how we've got at least one and sometimes two classes that are being um, co-taught by a special education teacher and an English teacher. I want you to know that that's going pretty well. 96% uh, of the students in an inclusion class um, passed um, quarter one, and, and I think the rates, the passing rates are the same for quarter two. Of course, we're not finished yet, so I can't give you that final number. Um, we've got two groups that are working on inclusion. There's the district inclusion team that started last spring and another group um, inclusion um, dealing with MTSS, which is multiple um, systems of support, multiple tiered systems of supports. And uh, Mr. Campman has an additional group. I'm working with the, the district team and Mr. Campman is working with some additional teachers to explore how we can improve our support systems through inclusive models. And so that really is one of our, our key things that we're working on this year. The last thing I'd like to talk about is the um, recognizing and some 
celebrating student success. We are um, at the end of quarter one, we had an, a, um, an honor roll assembly. Um, last month in December, we had students of the month where we went out and, and recognized them with a certificate, a visit to their house and um, some trinkets, but mostly it's just celebrating them. We're looking forward to doing more of that this, um, this I guess two or three weeks from now after the report cards come out. But um, feel like we've, we've got certainly lots of challenges, but we're doing some pretty good things all in all in the, in the building. So thank you, any questions? Thank you, Mr. Thak. Um, Thanks, Chuck. And Mr. Henry. I guess I need to come on. I don't. I have to have the oh, there, he started my video finally. Okay, here we go. So most of you probably got my phone call home on, on Friday because we need to make sure kids knew that. Semester was ending and we uh, they're changing classes and so forth. So we did that um, last week, sent home an email. What I really want to do is kind of break this up in two parts. One is uh, before um, winter break and then after. <clears throat> before winter break, if you know, as you know, we had the winter wishes and every student in our building was given a gift. Um, we also started a program called Benton City Helping Benton City, where the high school, um, West County Times, and American Dream Auto donated a total of $2,000 and the Kyvy market matched that $2,000. So 20 families were given $200 to be able to purchase food that they needed for their household instead of a food bank where they kind of give you what you need. And some people look at it like, I don't even eat that stuff. So I thought that was a really great thing for our community with everybody coming together during this time. Uh, um, as Mr. Feth uh, uh, said earlier, we are training our teachers in EL and inclusionary practices. All of our ninth grade classes are uh, being co-taught right now uh, with a special ed teacher and an English teacher. Um, and struggling students are coming in to get help. We have nine teachers right now, right now volunteering to come into the building, um, mostly Monday through Thursday, and uh, until they have to get online to help students for most of them. Some of them said they can work in their room if kids just call and give them um, but they'll stand there in their classroom and, and work. We can only have six at a time, socially distanced, all that kind of good stuff. The directional lines are all through the building, so we're getting ready to hopefully uh, get kids in the building. I know that's a bit of a ways away, but I'm excited that it seems like it's closer than further away now. Um, and I know the kids are too. My two kids are really excited about that. Um, other than that, I think the teachers are doing a phenomenal job. Um, I really want to thank um, the leadership class, the students, the teachers, Miss King and Miss Bird on getting the whole winter wishes together and getting kids coming to school. I got to dress up as a silly Hawaiian Santa Claus and go on TV and give some good positive PR for our community, which I think is always worth it no matter what. And so with that, if anybody has any questions, come on down. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Leigh. Okay, so next up we have unfinished business, our reopening update. Yeah, thank you, Julie. Um, 
Probably the most important item as far as the reopening goes is that uh, once again, the state has uh, redrawn their metrics for, uh, we've gone from kind of a statewide system to a by county system. Now they've gone to a regionalized system. Um, and so as of today, everybody was, everybody in the state was moved back to phase one, uh, regardless of anything else. And then, and while that's caused some consternation in, in some smaller districts outside of our area, for the most part, it didn't have any impact on, on what's going on in our region. Um, the new metrics um, are available on the Benton Franklin Health Department website. And I wanted to go through them just a bit um, because there, of course, have been case counts that we've relied upon, two-week rolling numbers, two-week rolling case counts. And quite frankly, they didn't, they didn't always, or, you know, let's cut to the chase, they didn't ever match up. So it's oftentimes it was, you know, a case of we'd be looking at one number, the county be looking at another. Um, folks would get on there and wonder, well, why aren't we doing this based on this number? And so the four metrics that they're going to be looking at and will necessitate a movement from phase one into phase two are as follows. And the region that we're talking about is, is, is the biggest region in, in the state. It includes almost all of Eastern Washington, quite frankly. So uh, in theory, at least we're being judged along with, alongside um, some other large, large uh, urban areas, including Spokane. So uh, first off is a decreasing trend in two week rate of COVID-19 cases per 100,000 population, meaning they wanna see a percentage decrease in positive cases greater than 10%. Uh, the second item being a decreasing trend in two week rate of new COVID-19 hospital admission rates per 100,000 population. And again, they want to see, they would like to see a decrease greater than 10% in hospital admissions. Uh, the third item is ICU occupancy, meaning a total of all ICU availability, available beds in ICUs across our region for both COVID-19 and non-COVID-19 cases. Uh, they'd like to see an occupancy rate of less than 90%. And of course that implies the availability of be beds where other uh, factors to come into place where the, the trend line might be going back up again. And then finally, the COVID-19 test positivity rate of less than 10%. And so when you take all of those things into account, our region has not hit um, any of those four at this point. And the key difference I think with this, this new metric system is the idea that these are going to be looked at every two weeks. Um, in other words, we're not going to have to wait as we have found ourselves doing sometimes, wait for a decision to be made. And there might be a decision made tomorrow, there could be one next week, there could be one in next month. Um, the Department of Health is fairly committed to looking at these four factors on a two-week basis and then uh, notifying publicly everybody where we will fall in that region for the following two weeks. Um, 
obviously the the disadvantage to that quite frankly is that it has a higher chance of us going potentially from a phase one into a phase two and then within two weeks we could be back at a phase one um dependent upon a lot of factors or at least four major ones so um when it comes to discussions around a lot of items that pertain to us and and specifically kind of keeping with the the trend of the evening around athletics and sports um you know those that phase one to phase two is a is a key key factor in any decision making around that and um in order to stay in phase two regions must meet at least um, three of the four metrics to stay. So even if um, for some some reason um, we were able to keep the decreasing trend of cases and admissions and test positivity rate, but an unforeseen something else, uh, increase the ICP, ICU occupancy back above the 90%, as long as we were still down in those other three areas, we can stay in phase two. The, the worst case scenario was obviously if we were to get two or more of those while we were in phase two, uh, not meeting those standards, we would, <coughs> excuse me, we would go back into a phase one with all the limitations that go along with it. So um, I should say that, that while um, these phases are being implemented from a regional level, um, this does not, um, does not coincide, quite frankly, with some of the recommendations from the State Department of Health around school reopening. And, and those numbers, quite frankly, have been adjusted at the state level, but they've not been addressed at the local level yet. Um, it, it's my intention um, to come back to the, to the board with a plan in two weeks, uh, assuming that, that our trend rate can continue to, to trend down and at least let you know that, that we're gonna be beginning discussions around a middle school and or high school reopening plan at that time. I, uh, I really don't have much faith, quite frankly, in trying to judge whether we're ready at this point, you know, here on January 11th, um, to say that we're ready to come back anytime in January, simply because we don't, we haven't seen the application of these metrics yet to our region. And I think, I think just jumping back into it um, could put could put us at risk of jumping too quickly as well as not to mention the health and safety of staff and students. So we wanna make sure we're all on the same page before we start throwing the old metrics out, embracing the new ones and the, the, the problems, concerns, uh, protocols that need to go with the new system as well. So um, with that in mind, from a reopening standpoint, um, you know, we're very committed to finishing out this semester, which ends at the end of this week. We start our second semester then on Tuesday of next week, this being a three-day weekend. Um, so we're going to allow staff and students to adjust to 
a new schedule for second semester, but I anticipate in that beginning of February timeframe um, having some, some pretty serious discussions about where we're currently at and what that means for um, expanding our hybrid model to the middle school um, and eventually to the high school. And that's really the, that's the entirety of my reopening update. Well, it's been a long tunnel. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping we're approaching that light. <laughs> I'm optimistic that we can have that plan ready and get those kids back. I'm really hoping for February. Absolutely. I just worry about our kids. I think it's important that they get in and get that social interaction that they really need. I agree 100%. Oh. Okay. Any more questions or discussion on reopening? All right, new business, sports committee update. Mr. Henry. Okay, can you guys hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. So we started an athletic committee sports uh, uh, to just kind of see what we need to do prior to um, all of the uh, union issues that go along with it. And so we met on December 1st, December 17th, January 7th, and our next meeting is for January 21st at 6 p.m. Um, right now, um, the coaches are uh, trying to get with their union to decide, you know, whatever they need to do to, to decide. We've talked about um, the WIA season as far as guidance. If you guys didn't know, football season ended up coming back to February 1st is when it's supposed to start. Um, it was the second season or I guess third, because the first was supposed to be this fall and they moved everything. But it's just, as we all know, everything's moving. Um, and so it's now the regular seasons in a row, but they haven't made in concrete what season three is or season four. <clears throat> um, I know all this has to go with what Mr. Peterson said with the new uh, COVID guidance and everything. Uh, we have talked actually in there a lot about the levy. So there's a lot, uh, the people are interested in talking about that. and. Just to make sure you guys know who the members are, it's myself, Mr. Denborn, Mr. Peterson. And then we have three coaches, Mr. Noah Well, uh, Mrs. Wells, and Mr. Lucatero. Then we have three parents, <coughs> to, and that's uh, Carol Stewart, Michael Kinnison, and Mike Hatley. And so those are all the people that meet or have met during this time. Um, we talked about the 1890, 1841 number, meeting 50% plus one, so everybody understands that. And, also understanding that we got a total of 1300 and something in August. So that's gonna be where we're gonna need a lot of support and help from everybody. Um, next steps are just, you know, going through, figuring out the coaches' salaries, transportation, union stuff, officials pay, event workers, entry fees, stuff like that. So as of right now, um, it's moving forward and people are at least talking about it. And the rest of this is 
over my pace going in with Mr. Peterson, which I really like. So he gets to have those conversations. Okay. Any questions on this? <clears throat> nope. Nope. Thank you. No, and I want to thank uh, Mr. Henry and the and the group that has taken it upon themselves to to meet regularly to have these discussions. Um, as superintendent, I really uh, was involved in in the first meeting, maybe the second meeting, but quite frankly, it's it's in the district's best interest not to have me as a formal member of the committee. That's either hearing suggestions that may or may not put the district in a bad spot. So um, I've eliminated myself from those, but I know that Mr. Henry and the group um, have done their due diligence and, and they've asked some hard questions. So um, when I talked to Clay today and, and I said before in our, in our presentation that uh, we can expect to see some some more headway in this arena in the next during the next school board meeting on the 25th because that's going to have some some direct repercussions then into discussions about levy that will also be on the agenda and we're going to be really setting the groundwork during that meeting on the 25th for quite frankly all of spring and the rest of the 2021 school year but uh thank you to everyone and and again to see the tie-in between um, the information that Clay provided and what I was talking about earlier. Um, competitive sports uh, is not a consideration until a county or until a region hits a phase two. Um, so that's that's obviously kind of our, our low watermark from that regard of where we need to get to before we even before we even implement um, whatever plan we decide to uh, to focus on. So Thanks again to that group. I really appreciate it. All right. Next up, we have policy 6225, the use of electronic signatures. Yes, thanks, Julie. Um, it's a, this is a policy 6225 is a short policy that you all received. And uh, quite frankly, it is, it's one that's, that's gone into wider use than it has been here in, in Benton City. Um, and it simply allows for uh, formal electronic signatures uh, to act as official signatures on many, um, many of the more, more average, I'll say, uh, pieces of documentation which the board would, would sign or that I would sign, things such as board minutes, um, things of that nature, um, even though we've been been using a rather informal system that accomplishes the same thing. Um, there are services available <coughs> when the time comes um, that we would make a move uh, to try and get as many documents uh, not only signed electronically, but quite frankly, submitted electronically, moved between parties electronically. Um, so if that, that is all, those are all things that are going to take place in the future, whether that's in the next month or the next year, I can't face say for certain, but we needed to have a policy in place to be able to address those types of needs. Um, one of the things I will say is, 
is that no individual will be allowed to utilize um, someone else's electronic signature. So um, in the cases where <clears throat> right now, um, some of our secretaries or administrative assistants might uh, use a hand stamp to stamp some items, either at the building or district level. Um, that type of a procedure could still be allowed, uh, but the true electronic signature uh, cannot be authorized or utilized by anyone except the person who logs in to use it. So it does have some additional safeguards there as well. So with that, um, I would entertain any questions that that you might have about the policy 6225 as you read through it, it's fairly self-explanatory. So Pete, this is a new policy. Correct. And because of our emergency state, we don't need to go through the three readings on it. Is that, that is correct. Now, that being said, of course, um, while formal readings are not necessary, um, given the fact that we have uh, three of our five board members, um, certainly we could um, put this into unfinished business during the next board meeting for simply a roll call vote at that time without any formal discussion. Um, as I said, it's fairly self-explanatory. So there's, there's really not much more than a, yes, it's okay to send me something via X service to then initial and and use many many of us uh, um, probably have, have signed off on banking documents or mortgages or refinances or things like that using that same type of a system. Um, but it it, it does always uh, make me a little nervous. I think if we had the full board here tonight, I would have absolutely no problem just saying let's go ahead and get it approved and get things rolling. But um, in order just to make sure that we have we have good feedback, um, I I think that it might be a good idea to to table this for a formal vote and unfinished business on the twenty fifth. Okay, I I think that's a good idea yeah. as well. Would like to make that motion to table. I'll move to table policy uh, 6225 until the next meeting. I'll second. All in favor of um, tabling policy 6225 till our next meeting. Aye. Aye. Okay, next on the agenda, we have the early retirement notification. Thank you again, Julie. Um, as part of part of our our yearly let's get ready for next year um, duties, uh, one of the things that I need to bring before the board is the fact that we're going to once again offer an early retirement um, opportunity for staff who choose to let us know early um, or as early as possible um, this year um, for certificated staff members. Uh, we had we did have a bit of confusion last year with two numbers running around out there. So this year, I want to be very clear for certificated staff members um, who are asked who are willing to notify us um, 
of that early retirement, the, the amount will be $3,000. And for any classified who are able to notify us, um, the amount will be $750. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, and um, Heidi can definitely correct me if I'm wrong on this one, um, the, typical, the typical first shot for our early retirement notification is on or about March 1st, um, which typically um, most people have, have kind of made some plans and, and identified some the needs in their in their personal and financial lives that they are able to make a decision. If if it's okay with the board, I'd like to extend that this year though uh, to the end of March prior to spring break, and I believe that would be March 25th. Um, I anticipate the legislature could have, um, depending on some some movement in certain areas, could have some ramifications. So it would extend that period. We did extend it last year. If you remember, we actually had set an earlier date, I believe the end of February and we ended up extending it. So um, I don't think that there's um, anything wrong with right now, just stating it at this point, it will go to the last Friday in March uh, prior to spring break. Okay, so any um, questions on that from the board? Any discussion? So um, then I'll, I would entertain a motion. I'll move to approve the uh, early retirement notifications. I'll second. Yes, there's just us. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I do think we should probably just put in there with the amendment of um, the March 25th date, correct? If he wants the last Friday before spring break, I think it's the 26th. Not the... I'm sure Heidi would catch that, but yes, the last Friday before spring break. Well, the last break, you want to keep it in March though, Pete? I'd like to start with that. Okay, so that would be March 26th would be the last Friday before spring break. Perfect. Okay, so we have the motion to approve the early retirement and extend the date until March 26th. So all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, so the early retirement is approved. And I lost my agenda, but I think that was the last thing on it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay, um, I did just want to make one last comment that um, I'm sorry we're not able to address the questions in the chat. Um, all questions do need, need to be submitted prior to the board meetings, but if you do not want to wait two weeks to get that answer, I'm sure you could send that to Mr. Peterson and he'd be happy to re respond to that. Absolutely. So with that, oh.
Uh, the board will now go into executive session pursuant RCW 4231.10 regarding personnel matters with no business to follow for 30 minutes. Thank you all for joining us.